That was cool. Um, we'll see more uh, missions testimonies over the coming weeks. We still have Sally and Maya and Rebecca and Allison. Do we have Josh and Vanessa? Oh yeah, these people. So I'm excited to hear from you guys. Um, if Zach can do it, then everybody can do it. All right, because I don't know if you could tell, Zach was super excited to be on camera. <laughs> he was pumped about that public speaking opportunity. Um, <laughs> but you have a really cool testimony, and um, I, I'm just really glad you guys shared that. We're in a new series called Set Me Free. This is our week two of the series. We've been talking about getting free from chains. Um, we saw the, the skit last week, and you know that testimony that you shared goes right along with this. If you feel trapped, if you feel stuck in a pattern of behavior, if you feel like you can't get out, this is a series for you. And we started by talking about what is freedom? What is freedom? What is the definition of freedom? And for many of us, when we're stuck in a situation, we feel trapped. It feels like freedom is whatever is not this. Anything but this, I want that. I just want out of this. I just want out of the situation. Get me out of this moment, this behavior, this pattern that I have, if I could just conquer this one thing in my life, or if I could just get out of this one relationship, or I could get over this one area, then I would be okay. And so the problem is, if we're not careful, then we'll run straight out of one cage right into another. And we could leave one addiction and end up with seven more as we run from one thing right into another thing. And so we learned um, last week that this is not a, a good thing to do. We have to be really careful about what we're trying, what freedom is and what we claim freedom is. And last week we saw that Jesus' definition of freedom is inseparable from following Jesus, from obedience to Christ. That freedom, when Jesus talks about freedom, when he talks about whom the Son sets free is free indeed, that is inseparable from a life following Jesus, from a life of obedience to him. That is, that is what Jesus said. So look at what he said. We're going to pick back up here in John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. These people already believed Jesus. They believed on him, but were they free? No. Belief itself is not enough to make you free. You could believe all the right things about God, but that in itself, just having the right thoughts in your mind, it's not like when you get, it's not like Christianity is a test. You know, like fill in the blanks and check the right boxes. And as long as I check the right boxes, then God's going to let me into heaven someday. You know, and as long as I score like a 98%, you know, and I believe the right theological things, then I'm going to be okay with God. That's not it. Satan and his demons, the Bible says, believe and know the truth. They know the, the answers to the questions. But that's not enough. Belief did not equal freedom. Freedom is more than belief. And they thought they were already free. He said, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. And connected to that, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They thought they were already free, which is exactly what they said. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be free? We're free? What are you talking about? And some of you last week, you said, you I clearly identified yourself. I'm stuck. I need this message. I am not free. I've got a thing that has got me shackled and chained. Some of you thought, man, I'm, I'm free. I don't need this message. What, do I, what, do I, what has this got me in bondage? Like, I'm, I'm fine. What's the big deal? And they did not understand what Jesus was saying. 
What will you set me free from, Jesus? I'm not a slave. Maybe you're in the same position today. Perhaps you look at your life and you're doing okay. Why would you need Jesus? What could Jesus set you free from? And then Jesus defines it. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, which means truly, truly, listen up. This is important. I'm going to tell you something and you need to understand this. This is truth. I say unto you, whoever committeth sin, whoever sins, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. I want you to, I want you to get this three-step process. Sin brings shame. Shame brings hiding, which brings more sin. Sin brings shame. Shame brings hiding, which brings more sin. So we've got sin, shame, hiding, sin. Just a big cycle and a circle. Sin brings shame. Shame isn't the, the feeling of I've messed up and I need to fix this. Shame is I've messed up and nobody, nobody can ever know about this. I have messed up and the thing that I've done, nobody can ever know. If anybody finds out, then they will know and they will clearly be seen that I'm unworthy of love and belonging. That I just, I can't be looked at, I can't be talked to, I can't be touched. I will be completely and utterly shunned if anyone finds out about this thing. That's what shame says. That's the message of shame. And shame then brings hiding. And hiding brings more sin. Why does hiding bring more sin? Because you can't just hide part of yourself. Hopefully you learned this at some point and you got a little better at hide and seek. But you know, the little kids, they hide, you know, and you're like, you can't see me. <laughs> when we try to hide just a little part of ourselves, we're not really hiding. And so what do we end up doing? We end up hiding our whole self. To hide, we hide our whole self. We're hiding, even if you're hiding just a part of yourself, you end up hiding your whole self. So if you're hiding, then you're not free. You think you're hiding part of yourself, but you're actually preventing yourself from being known and seen. If I'm hiding a part of my life, and I'm doing it successfully, right? I've compartmentalized really well, and I have this, this one area that's blocked off and nobody knows what's going on. And I have all these people who love me. Guess what shame says? Guess what my mind says? Guess what my heart says? They only love you because they don't know about this. They don't really love you because they don't know about this. If they knew about this, they would all go away. And so when we hide even just a part of ourselves, we're actually completely cutting ourselves off from love and belonging, from the joy that we have in Christ. We're not walking in truth. We're walking in Partial truth, which is partial lie, which is all lie. And we're blocking ourselves off from the relationships that we're supposed to be having. From godly relationships, from good relationships, from relationships with God, we're hiding this part. And many of you believe that with God too, not just other people. You have this compartmentalized life. In church we bring this part, and then when you go home you have this part. And as long as God doesn't see this, if God saw that, then ugh. And you know God can see everything. And so you feel perpetually unacceptable by God and unlovable by God. And that is slavery. That is slavery. If you can't be fully known and fully seen, you can't be fully loved. And that is not freedom. So sin brings shame. Shame brings hiding. 
And in the hiding, we sin more because our need for love is choked out by shame and we medicate that with more sin. We just medicate it. We want to numb it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to deal with that. So I'll medicate and I'll numb it out with whatever I can. Jesus can make you free indeed. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You shall be free indeed. Jesus can make you free for real. Not just free that other people believe, but free for real. Free that you believe. Not just temporarily and not just partial freedom. Jesus is offering you to, to free your whole self, body, soul, and spirit to live and walk in the kingdom of God. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Because not everybody wants the freedom that Jesus offers. Not everybody wants Jesus' version of freedom. He says, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. Because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. And Jesus isn't pulling any punches here. He goes right to pointing out exactly their flawed reasoning and their flawed behavior. He points out exactly where they're wrong. You are wrong here. This means you're wrong. You messed that up. That's your problem. You did that. You. <laughs> and he's like pointing out this thing. And when we read that, we think to ourselves, and I think to myself, I thought Jesus was non-condemning. Last week we talked about this woman caught in adultery. And he says, I don't condemn you. Well, this sounds pretty condemning to me. You seek to kill me. My word has no place in you. Sounds like an accusation. Sounds like he's calling them out. What's up with that? I thought Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. I thought he said he doesn't judge. And this sounds very much like judging to me. It feels like judging to me. Which triggers the don't judge me response. Don't judge me response. It's funny, culture keeps going back and forth between these two extremes. You know, the, the flower power and the free love and don't judge me and the law and order. And then we come back, uh, in my generation, we find the internet and we rediscover our version of flower power, which is just uh, Silicon Valley. You know, go online. If we connect the whole world, then we'll all just love each other and it'll be great. And we did that. It was great for a while. And then it got really ugly. <laughs> I don't know if you've been on Facebook lately. It got really ugly. And so then we're back to judging. We're back to judging. And we've tried this for a while, but the flaws in this have really come out in the last few years. In our culture, in our culture, not judging means this. This is the definition of not judging. Don't point out something or pretending that something is not harmful. Don't point out my harmful behavior. To not judge someone means to pretend that what you're doing is not harmful. And that's what that's what is asked of us. When you say, don't judge me, it means I want you to pretend that my actions and my behavior are not harmful. Just pretend. Don't point it out. Don't tell me how it hurts. Don't tell me how it's wrong. Just pretend everything's okay. Because you have no right to tell me otherwise. And that is, that is what we tried on. We've tried that for a while. And it didn't quite work out. Turn a blind eye. Don't bring it up. It's none of your business. But hiding multiplies sin. And sin grows in the dark. 
in the dark, and now we see a backlash. And we see Me Too movement, which says, you know what? Enough of this. Enough of pretending that everything's just okay. We can't do that. We have to speak up. We have to call this out. Because pretending that the harm isn't harmful is just causing more people to be harmed. And so, many women have spoke up about sexual assault and things like that. And it's great. They need to speak out. They need to speak up. But, right on the heels of that is cancel culture. Right? Right on the heels of Me Too movement is cancel culture. And we've moved from a society, and I see it, you can see it in the last 10 years, we moved from don't judge me to judge everybody. To judge everybody. It's, it's pretty interesting. Now you have to be careful what you say or you might lose your job. And the same people who accused organized religion and the church of being super judgmental are now the exact same thing. They're just as judgmental. They're just as bad. It seems we're stuck. It seems we're stuck in between a, a rock and a hard place. Either we call out people's flaws, which discourages vulnerability, or we don't judge anybody, which encourages more harm and more sin. You get that? Two things. Either we call out your flaw, which means you're never going to be vulnerable again because <laughs> we just pointed out this thing, or we just pretend like there is no flaw, which means we continue to harm each other in the dark and sin continues to grow. So which, which should we do? What do we do? Calling out people's flaws discourages vulnerability, love, and meaningful connection. And pretending that something is not harmful just encourages the harm. And our culture can't seem to distinguish between good judgment and hate. In our culture, pointing out something as harmful is condemnation. It's condemnation. Just look at the online comments. I just saw, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, there was a guy who robbed a Metro PCS store over the weekend, like over the last few days. Guy robs a Metro PCS store. Um, I don't remember where it was at, but he goes in with a gun. There's video of it. He has a gun, he throws a bag on the table, Tells the guy, fill up the bag with, with phones. Starts walking around the counter with the gun. He didn't know that the employee at the store also was concealed carry. He had his gun. Guy pulls out his gun, shoots him, kills him. He's laying there dead on the ground. It's all on video. And so I see this, and I, I watch it. I'm like, okay. You know, it's clearly self-defense. But then I start reading the comments which you should never read the comments on YouTube. Just telling you, like you should never read the comments on YouTube. And the thing I see in the comments is, this guy's a scumbag, and he deserved it. Good riddance. He got what was coming. Another one, gone. And it's almost like this celebratory atmosphere that this guy has died. He got what he deserved. He, maybe that'll teach him not to rob a store. Hopefully other people will see this and realize, don't go rob a store. And there was like this celebratory nature. It wasn't just this guy did this in self-defense and, and this happened. It was the celebratory nature. And then they started mocking the mother of this man who was shot. Now she's never said anything that I know of in the news. Maybe in the next few days she might come out and say some terrible things. I don't know. 
But they started mocking her and, and pretending, oh, she's just going to say he was a good kid. You know, and we're going to see the pictures of him in a, in a graduation gown, and he was a good kid, and he did nothing wrong. And they start mocking the family. So which is it? Is he a good kid, or is he a worthless scumbag? And it seems in our culture, those are the only two options. That's the only two options available to you in this society, in this world. Either he's a good kid, or he's a total worthless scumbag. Those are the two. And in our culture, if you go back and we look at your tweets ten years ago, we might discover that you are a total worthless scumbag. Now you're canceled, you're done. If you do something wrong, if you, you tick off the wrong people, or if you offend somebody, total worthless scumbag, you're completely gone. You're either worthy of love, or you're a thug, a criminal, and scum. In our culture, pointing out something is harmful means putting them in the other category. You're a thug, a criminal, and you're scum. But Jesus changes this. Jesus changes the or to an and. This is what he did with the woman caught in adultery last week. She's brought to him. She's just committed adultery. Where are your accusers? They've all left, Lord. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And this is the only way of hope. Because I've said some stuff I'm not proud of. You've said some stuff that you're not proud of. Many of you just didn't have social media watching every second. You didn't have like cell phones. Baby boomers, imagine if you had somebody videoing every second of your adolescent teen years. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it would be bad. That's what our kids are growing up in nowadays. It's pretty rough. So the reality is I've done things that I'm really, really ashamed of. And I've got this, this, this area of my life that I'm constantly trying to work on and inviting Christ into. And you do too. But this is the message of Christ. Yeah, you were a thug. Yeah, you're a criminal. And yeah, you're worthy of love. Jesus' definition of not condemning or not judging someone is different from the world's definition. It includes both the truth of what you've done, who you are, and what harm you have committed, and the truth that God's love still wants you, accepts you, and invites you to come and be transformed. Yes, both and. It brings them together. And that is why the world desperately needs Christ. And that is what we as Christians have to bring into the world all around us. We have to bring this message. We can't participate in the other message, in the other way of doing things. Jesus points out exactly where our behavior is harmful. He doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't pretend like it's not harmful and that it's just okay and that you didn't really mean it, so it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's such a big deal that God had to send His Son to die but He still loves you. He still loves you. He loves us anyways. He points out where there is harm, and then He invites you to walk with Him in making it right. Jesus does not ignore the harm. He goes on, not pulling punches. You do the deeds of your Father. Then, he, then said they unto Him, 
We be not born of fornication. We have one Father, God. God's our Father. We follow God. We're Jews. We're sons of Abraham. And we are children of God. Jesus says unto them, If God were your Father, then you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. And as we read together in the passage, by the end of the chapter, they're ready to pick up stones and what? Murder him. He was a murderer from the beginning. They're ready to kill Jesus. And later on, they do kill Jesus. He calls them out. You're full of lies. You don't walk in the truth because you don't want to do what I tell you to do. You don't want to follow Jesus, which means you're walking outside of the truth. He just tells them flat out, just like it is. There are two spiritual families, God's family and the devil's family. There's the family of truth and the family of lies. So let's get real clear on who you are. He goes on. Which of you convinceth me of sin? Which of you can point out sin in Christ? And if I say the truth... Why do you not believe me? If Jesus says the truth, then why don't we do it? Why don't we believe it? Why don't we just say, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Let me do that. He that is of God hears God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. If we believe Jesus when he says that lusting is like committing adultery and it's harmful to our relationships, why do we just keep doing it? If we believe Jesus, then when he says, don't tell a lie, why do we say, well, it's just a little one, it's not a big deal, I'll just be dishonest about this one thing. If we believe Jesus, why do we continue to gossip and tell stories behind someone's back? Or why do we fly off the hammer and throw tools and get mad and yell at someone and cuss them out and say, that's just how I blow off steam? When Jesus has said that anger is the same as murder, when we're doing this to people around us. Why do we just do it? It's like, that's just the way I am. That's how I was born. Why is that okay? Why do we continue to glutton ourselves because, my gosh, that Klondike bar is so good and I don't, I don't need it, but I feel bored and lonely, so I'm going to have another one. Why, why do we just fill our time with Netflix because we can't stand to go have a real conversation or be quiet we have to pick up the phone when we constantly cater to every anxiety that we have because i just don't want to deal with it so it's easier to look at social media it's either easier to watch another video on youtube it's easier to just deal with that and to deal with it that way why do we do that if i say the truth why do you not believe me he that is of God hears God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. If you are of God, then why don't you hear God and follow God? By the end of the chapter, like I said, they're ready to kill Jesus. 
but we are taking a different road. Last week, I called you to repentance. And I encouraged you. I said, let's repent. Let's, let's turn from our ways this thing the Holy Spirit is pointing out, this, this closet that you have in your life. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into that. And many of you raised your hands. You prayed. You said, I want to do that. I want to invite the Holy Spirit into my life. And this is an ongoing process. And I'm going to assume you want to follow this process. I'm going to give you some tools to judge yourself well. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that if we judge ourselves properly, then we won't have to worry about judgment from others. So how do we know how to judge ourselves? Maybe you don't know how, so I'm going to give you this really quick, and then we'll be done. We have four good self-judgments. If you want to judge well in the world, this is how you do it. This is what a Christian does. You can write these down. These will be posted on our Facebook page. Um, they probably post it by now because we're running a little bit long. Four questions that you can ask yourself when you want to know whether I should do something or whether, whether it's okay or not okay. The first one, does it cause harm? In Mark 12, 29, Jesus says, He answers to them, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And the second is namely like it. Namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. If, it, if it's causing harm, then it is not love. The things that we do should be in love. If you're causing violence or harm to another person, you're violating the first two commandments of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So, the thing you want to do, they did this to me, they've got it coming, I'm going to go tell them off. Is that going to cause harm? Yeah, probably. So let's not do that. I'm going to give it revenge. No, no. better not do that. I want to do this, or I want to just share this story behind something. No, we're not going to do that. Does it cause harm? Number two is this. Is there clear instructions or commands against it? In John 8, 31 and 32, remember, Jesus said this. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Don't pretend that you can just ignore the things that Jesus says and still be free and still be making good judgments. Because the second you do that, the second you say, I don't have to listen to this thing Jesus says, then you're hiding and you're partial hiding and then you can't have relationships and you're all back to that same whole cycle and the shame and the hiding and more sin. You're right back into the cycle. No matter how small you think that thing is, you're, you're sending yourself right into the cycle. And before you know it, you'll be right back to the same place you were with the same things you were struggling with. That's how it works. The next one, number three. Does it control me now or in my past? Does it control me now or in my past? Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, all things are lawful unto me. I can do whatever I want. I can really do whatever I want. There's a ton of things that I'm free to partake in as a Christian. But all things are not expedient. It just means, doesn't mean they're all good for me. I can lick 9-volt batteries all day long. It does not mean it's good for me, right? <laughs> all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not, and this is his bottom line check, I will not be brought under the power of any. If it's controlling me, then it's not good. Which is why I got Facebook off my phone like last summer. 
It was controlling me. Every spare second of my time, oh my gosh, I have to stand and wait like two seconds in a line at a restaurant. I'm checking Facebook. I can't handle this. We make it stop. I go to the bathroom. I'm at the urinal. I'm like, I'm so bored. You know, here we go. <laughs> Come on. Like, this is not good. This is controlling me. Okay, it's out. It's gone. It's gone. You got a snack in your life that's controlling you? Ixnay on the snack. Okay. Let's, let's get rid of it. If, you, if Netflix controls you, if alcohol controls you, you can't drink responsibly. You can't, and as a Christian, I'll just say this, I don't drink at all. I think drinking is stupid. Does the Bible allow it? Sure, as long as you don't get drunk. But I still think it's stupid. So if you, but if you're drinking and it's controlling you, and you're going over that line regularly, get rid of it. Same thing with Pepsi and Dr. Pepper and Diet Coke too, okay? So don't get on your high horse. If it's controlling you, you know, you get home from work and somebody drank the last Coke and so you're ready to go just cuss out the people you live with, maybe it's controlling you. You're ready to just throw out all this Christianity and just let these people really know how you, eh, it's controlling you. Has it controlled you in your past or does it control you now? Only God should have control over my life. That's number three. And number four, the final one, does it build up? Does it build up? Again, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 10, 23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Sounds like the same thing, but it's a different place. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. It's another way of saying build up. All things don't build everybody up. Let no man seek his own means don't look at just what's good for you, but every man another's wealth. Look at what's good for other people. Does it build up other people? Or does it tear my brother down? Does it make others better? Or does it make others worse? So, the four. I think I want to do this. I need to judge, is this good in my life? Is this bad? Is this going to help me follow Jesus? So I'm going to ask, does it cause harm? No, I don't think it causes harm. I think I'm good. Okay, is there clear instruction or commandment against it? Yeah, you know, Jesus said this, and so, so I better not do it. Okay, no, there's no clear instruction or commandment against it. All right, let's do honey buns, because you guys know I like honey buns. Does it cause harm? Depends on who we ask, but let's say no, okay? <laughs> Is there a clear instruction or commandment against it? No, thank you, Lord. Does it control me now or in my past? Well, that's awkward. <laughs> yes, it could control me if, you know, if you're eating uh, quietly. That could totally do it. Does it build up? Does it build other people up? And that might be if you have a friend who's doing keto and they're trying to diet and you know that honey buns is their thing. And so you're like eating honey buns in front. Yeah, no, it doesn't build them up. You see how that works? It's pretty simple. Four things that we posted on our website. Um, do this. Follow this this week. Let this be a guide. Start filtering through the decisions you make so that we can walk in truth and walk in freedom. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for who you are. God, help us to listen to your word. Listen to the Holy Spirit and respond and do these things. Many of us said last week that we want to repent, that we want to walk out of the bondage that we're in and listen to you. God, I pray that we would, and that we would start to filter our behavior, our actions, our choices through the Word of God and through your Holy Spirit. 
Let's listen to you and walk with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.